blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Today, brothers and sisters, we celebrate the Holy and Divine Liturgy on the second Sunday of the Blessed Coptic Month of Abim. And the Gospel reading this morning came from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 9. Our Savior, to Him be all glory, He was approached by His disciples, and He was asked the question, Who then is the greatest in heaven? And in response, He took a little child, and He set him in the midst of them, and told them, Unless you are converted, and you become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And according to the holy tradition of the church, this little child was none other than Saint Ignatius, the Bishop of Antioch, who would later be martyred for our Lord uh, and whose feast uh, was celebrated this past week. Now our Savior's message to the Holy Apostles and to all of us is clear. If you wish to be great, then remember your humility and struggle against pride. We all know how dangerous pride can be. A person might struggle an entire lifetime to build up many virtues and then everything at the end could be destroyed by a single sin of pride. Think about Satan, who was once a beautiful, glorious, and mighty cherub in, who, in close proximity to God. Despite everything he was and everything he was given, he fell into ruin because of the sin of pride. And this is how dangerous pride is. It ruins every good virtue that we have and causes us to be nothing in God's sight. And so for this reason, we fear pride and we struggle against pride and we struggle to acquire the virtue that our Lord impressed upon his holy disciples in today's gospel reading, the virtue of humility. With God's grace, I would like to speak to you this morning a little bit about humility. First off, what is humility? We hear this word a lot, especially in the church, but exactly what is it? Well, first let's talk about what humility is not. Humility is not going around and telling others that you are humble and that you are the least of all men and that you are deserving of nothing. In fact, this behavior oftentimes betrays a lack of humility. I like to mention, every time I make this point, I like to mention the great English novel, David Copperfield. There is a character in this novel by the name of Uriah Heep, and he prided himself on going around and telling everyone how humble he was. He would tell people, I am humble, and he would try to get people to believe that he was humble by his words. But in reality, he was a villain. He was a villain who was motivated by greed. And his character reminds us that going around and telling people that we are humble or the least of all men means absolutely nothing. Because in the end, it's not what we say, but it's what we do and what is inside our heart. True humility, brothers and sisters, is found in the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, as we know, is the eternal and divine Son of God who took the form of man, offering himself to death on behalf of each one of us 
in a most humble way. He endured extreme humility for the sake of the world, suffering, being mocked, dying for our many sins. We remember the beautiful words from St. Isaac the Syrian in his 82nd homily. He said, Humility is the robe of divinity. For when God the Word became incarnate, He put on the robe of humility and thereby communicated with us by means of our human body. And then St. Isaac would go on and say, Accordingly, everyone who is truly clothed in humility will resemble him who descended from the height, hiding the radiance of his greatness and covering up his glory by means of his low estate. So this is what humility is. It is the robe of divinity. It is the robe of being like Christ in his humility, covering up whatever greatness we might have and instead embracing being nothing. True humility is to see ourselves as God sees us. It refers to knowing that without the grace of God, we are nothing but dust. We are nothing but all that is sinful and dead. A modern Orthodox saint likened humility to an honest and contrite recognition of one's own shortcomings and weaknesses together with a focus on the mercy of God. So the two go hand in hand. Yes, I see myself as dust, but I also see constantly the mercy of God and God's work with me. Again, from St. Isaac of Syria, the person who has attained to knowledge of his own weakness has reached the height of humility. And so this self-awareness, this true knowledge of self, is a great work to know yourself, to know your weaknesses. This is a great work. One of the Desert Fathers counsels us that knowing ourselves is an act greater than even raising the dead. Now the opposite of all of this is vanity. Vanity, conceit, and pride. These are the opposites of humility. And these poison our good deeds and cause them to be worthless in God's sight. As Christians, we must very much be on our guard against vanity, conceit, and pride, especially in this modern world that encourages such things. For example, social media today exists to enable people to constantly share their lives, their photographs, their opinions with others. And if left unchecked, this way of life can easily lead to a preoccupation with oneself. And that is the path to vanity, conceit, and pride. Now how can we cultivate this humility? We now hopefully have a better understanding of what humility is. So how can we increase humility in our lives? Would it surprise you to learn that all of the tools needed for cultivating humility are found right here in the church? For example, consider what we should do when we enter the church. First, we enter the church, we bow our heads, and we make the sign of the cross. Then we walk reverently to the royal doors, this area here in front of the holy altar, and we prostrate ourselves before God while making our vows and offering our prayers.
And then we go to our seats and we pray specific songs that speak about the house of God. This is at least how we are supposed to enter the church. And if we follow these counsels, we will find ourselves being humble before the living God. As we bow our heads and fully prostrate ourselves before him, we will grow in our self-knowledge and begin to see ourselves for who we really are. And just as we do all of these things to humble ourselves when we come to the church, we can do the same at home as well. When we begin to pray in the morning, we can bow our heads, we can make our vows and offer our prayers while fully prostrating ourselves before God, just as we do in the church. The Holy Fathers teach us that these prostrations or metanyas, they're known in the Coptic Church, should be done at the very beginning of our prayers because they will help us to feel contrition and help to enrich our prayers. The act of putting our whole bodies on the ground before Christ will produce a well of deep feeling in our hearts that will fertilize and enrich the rest of our prayers just as the publican in the parable who kept his head down and beat his chest as he implored God to have mercy on him. These bodily actions like bowing your head and prostrating yourself to the ground, they are an external manifestation of what is hopefully going on in your soul. They reflect outwardly what is happening inwardly. As Saint Isaac of Syria, of Syria said in his 72nd homily, as salt is needed for all kinds of food, so humility is needed for all kinds of virtues. In this case, humility is the salt that season out, seasons our prayer and it makes it more effective. And God accepts these humble prayers from us because they come from a contrite soul that knows herself. A contrite soul that knows herself. Another important action that we do at church is listen. Hopefully this is what we are doing now, we are listening. We don't come to church to speak. We don't come to church to offer our own views on this or that issue. But instead we come for the purpose of hearing the Word of God and conforming our lives with the Word of God. And similarly throughout our lives we must constantly have the disposition of a listener. You know, there is a distressing trend these days in which people constantly say to each other, God told me this, or the Holy Spirit guided me to that. Of course, it is not impossible for God to speak to his creation. He's done so many times in history. But more often than not, these messages that people get are really just affirmations of what they thought all along. To cultivate humility, we must ask ourselves, do we want to hear the Word of God no matter how difficult that is? Do I want to hear the Word of God even if it goes against what I feel I want to do? Or do we just want God to affirm our opinions? Do we just want God to rubber stamp what we already think? An Orthodox elder used to teach his disciples by saying, I have asked God to reveal only one thing in my life, my sins. This is the only thing that I want God to reveal, just my sins.
And the beautiful lesson here is that the truly humble person asks God to reveal that which is most essential, the true condition of my soul. This is what I want God to tell me about. The humble person does not seek to have God rubber stamp his own opinions, but rather he asks God to reveal what's really going on inside so that anything that is not pleasing to God can be changed and cleansed through repentance and confession. But sadly, this is oftentimes not what we seek. Instead, we want affirmations. We want someone to tell us that everything we're doing is right, and God is okay with it, and God is pleased with our lives. And this is the spiritual disease, especially of this present age. Instead of looking inwardly, and confronting what is broken, we have successfully convinced ourselves and the world in general that there's nothing actually broken. And this is how we explain what is happening outside of the church and our society today. There is a whole lot of brokenness in the world. But since people have abandoned the church and they've abandoned their faith in God, they have also now placed themselves outside of what is right and what is wrong. What is true and what is holy is now not relevant for them. And because of that, they can look at themselves, they can look at their bodies, and they can go against all of the physical evidence that says that they are one thing and say, well, no, I'm actually the opposite thing. Why? Because I said so. Because I think it. And now there are other people like me who also believe the same, and therefore we are all our own judges and no one can tell us anything differently. This is the sad disease that we see in the world all around us, and it is the result of pride and a lack of humility. It is the result of thinking that God can only rubber stamp what we already want to do. But this is not what is needed right now, brothers and sisters. The humble person desires to see who he really is, to see all of his brokenness so that he can fix what is broken before the day of judgment comes and it is too late. Yet another important action we undertake in the church is frequent repentance and confession of our sins. The very act of repenting before God and confessing in front of a priest is humbling. It's not easy. I don't think anyone really looks forward to going and sharing all of these intimate details of their lives in front of a priest. It's humbling. It's embarrassing. But that humility or that the humility that arises from confessing before a priest and that embarrassment oftentimes is good for us spiritually. But sadly, there are many people in this world who either have a weak or no repentance life at all. Maybe others are afraid of opening their hearts and speaking about private matters in front of a priest. But to them, we have a wonderful reminder from Tertullian, who lived in North Africa. He wrote a homily on repentance and he said, if you are afraid to confess, look at the flames of hell that confession alone can extinguish. So if you're afraid of confession, be more afraid of hell. And now go to confession so that you can extinguish the flames of hell from you personally. 
so that these flames will never touch you. It's better to be afraid of what is coming than to worry about going to confession today and speaking about private things in front of a priest. We can deal with that embarrassment. We can deal with that humility, especially, especially since the priest is our father and the priest is a sinner himself and the priest cares for you and will never disclose or divulge anything you say and he will never judge you or look down upon you. So be encouraged and go, repent and confess so that the flames of hell have nothing to do with you. Dear brothers and sisters, today I encourage each and every one of you to cultivate true humility in your lives. True humility is the only medicine for the poison of vanity, conceit, and pride, which surrounds us in every side of this world today. As we continue this divine liturgy, lift up your hearts in prayer and ask God to reveal your sins. Ask God to show you your brokenness. Ask God to show you what you need to change so that you can move forward in the spiritual life and the flames of hell will have nothing to do with you. And let this prayer not only be a prayer of your lips, but let this be the prayer of your whole body with your, your body offering the prostrations and lifting up your hands and singing and doing all that we are called to do in our worship of God. And let us not only do it today in the liturgy, but let us make this the continual prayer throughout our lives. Take up the great disciplines of prostrations, of listening always in our lives to what God really wants to tell us, no matter how painful or how difficult, and confessing our sins regularly. These things build up our humility. I want to conclude the homily today with the following advice from one of the spiritual classics. Uh, it's called The Way of the Ascetics by Tito Colliander. It's a great book. Uh, basically, uh, this ascetic, Tito Colliander, he took um, the words of St. Theophon the Recluse, another great spiritual writer from Russia, uh, and he uh, uh, expounded upon them. He added to them and he restated them. And so this is a great book. If you haven't read it, I do encourage you to read it. And it's also a very short book, so it's definitely doable uh, to read in a quick time. Here's what he says in The Way of the Ascetics. Be silent. Let no one notice what you are about. You are working for the invisible one. Let your work be invisible. Keep hidden and, inc and as inconspicuous as possible. Do not talk about yourself, of how you slept, what you dreamed, or what happened to you. Do not state your views unasked. Do not touch upon your own wants and concerns. All such talk only nourishes your self-preoccupation. Do not seek higher posts and higher titles. The lower the position of service you have, the freer you are. Be satisfied with the living conditions that you now have, and do not be quick to show your learning. Hold back your remarks. Contradict no one, and do not get into foolish arguments. Let the other person always be right. Never set your will above that of your neighbor. Take remarks without grumbling. Be thankful when you are scorned, disregarded, ignored. 
The truly humble person escapes notice. The world does not know him. For the world, he is mostly a zero. This is advice from a spiritual classic, and if we are wise, we will listen. But if you listen to these beautiful words, you will see that outside of the church today, the world is doing the exact opposite. Social media exists so that we can do the exact opposite. He tells us, don't offer your own opinion. Social media says, go, post on Twitter your opinion, quickly, in short words, and debate other people. Here, he tells us that we are to be satisfied with what we have, but the world tells us, no, you always have to go and get more, get better, keep moving so that you can improve your lot in life. He tells us, never set your will above that of your neighbor, but the world tells us, no, get your way. What you want is more important than what anyone else wants, and so on and so forth. You can see that what we hear in the church here, the spiritual advice, that leads us to heaven is completely different than what is outside in the world. But if we are wise brothers and sisters, we will conform our lives with this spiritual advice. And this is how we will live. May God grant that to each and every one of us to be humble and to struggle against the sins of pride and conceit and vainglory. And glory be to God forever. Amen.